The reading is to be found on page 57. It's Exodus 3, verses 1 to 12. Page 57. Moses and the burning bush. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jane. Shall we pray before we look at this passage? Father, thank you for, for Moses. Thank you for your call on his life. And we pray that uh, through this passage, as we look at this call of Moses, you would speak to each one of us this morning. You teach each one of us something new about you. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but when you hear all the stories on the news, when you read newspapers, when you look at all the troubles in the world. I don't know about you, but whether you feel you'd love to make a difference. You'd love uh, to make a difference in the world. Or when you look at people like Moses, who freed all the Israelites from Egypt, or um, the apostles in the New Testament, or the heroes of faith throughout the centuries, People like William Wilberforce or John Wesley or someone like Jackie Pullinger more recently 
And, th- and do you think, wow, I'd love to do something like that. I'd love to make a difference. As Tim mentioned, this is, uh, in effect, my last Sunday here at St. Dionys. Um, on Saturday, I get married to Tara, and then we're off to Brighton to uh, St. Peter's, which I think there's a picture of St. Peter's which is going to emerge on the screen. It's this huge church in the center of Brighton, which holds um, about 900 people. If you uh, scroll through, there's, um, it sort of dominates the center of the city. Uh, inside, it holds about 900 people. But at the moment, the congregation is only 12. Um, and the church was on the point of being sold, and it was going to be turned into a sort of uh, an entertainment complex or something. Um, and the Bishop of Chichester has invited a group of us to go down there and to, uh, to sort of plant a congregation there and uh, to bring the witness of God to that city. It's going to be a huge challenge. Brighton was described uh, by the last census as the most godless city in the country. It's got the lowest church attendance of any city in Britain. And we've been asked to go and uh, reach mainly the students and the more deprived areas of the city. And as I've been thinking about this, because of going as part of this team to Brighton, I've been thinking about how do we make a difference? Because that's really what we've been asked to do in Brighton. And I suppose that's what we've all been asked to do as Christians. Jesus calls us all to make a difference. That was the Great Commission. Jesus commands his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. And as I've been thinking about this, I found this story of Moses really helpful. Because here is a man, Moses, who made a difference. He liberated the Israelites from Egypt. He led them through the desert for 40 years, gave them the law, brought them through various military victories, and into the promised land. But one of the reasons I love this story about Moses is just how inadequate Moses feels. And I feel, I have to say, going off to Brighton, just sort of quite inadequate of the challenge ahead. I didn't know about you, when you look at just the depth and the scope of the problems in the world, global warming, global poverty, just the number of people who've never heard the gospel, wars, terrorism, drug addiction, It's tempting to think, how could I possibly make a difference? So I find it hugely comforting that Moses felt the same. Moses clearly felt daunted by the task ahead. In verse 11, he says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world at the time. And Egypt was the most advanced civilization in the world. The Israelites were slaves, and the Egyptian workforce depended on them. The task seemed too huge for Moses. And Moses felt like he was the wrong person for this task. Later, in, in, uh, in 4 verse 13, he pleads with God, Oh Lord, please send someone else. In some ways, he, he had good reason to think this. He's 80 years old. And so perhaps not the obvious choice for someone who's going to lead um, the Israelites uh, through 40 years camping in the wilderness and through various military, uh, various military campaigns. 
Moses doesn't feel equipped for the task. Later he says, Lord, what happens if they ask who sent me? I don't even know your name. And so he sort of feels he doesn't know enough about God, enough theology in effect. Moses feels that he doesn't have the necessary sort of natural gifts. He says that um, he's got, it turns out he has a speech impediment. And his job is going to be to persuade Pharaoh um, to release the Israelites. And so he doesn't feel like he's up for the job. And I can understand that to an extent. I remember my first, uh, the first Sunday where I did something here. You, you may remember. I was doing the prayers. And um, after the songs, I marched up confidently to the eagle, and at which point Tim announced we were saying the creed. And I just got to the eagle, and I just felt so embarrassed, standing there thinking, oh, you idiot, Johnny. Look, all you have to do is read the service sheet. Surely, what are you doing getting it ordained? Surely one of the key things about being a vicar is being able to read a service sheet. And it says clearly, songs, creed, then prayers. And I was just feeling so embarrassed. I thought, oh, you idiot. And then I thought, no, it's actually, it's not a big thing. I'm overreacting. And I thought, oh, no, what happens if I overreact every time I make a small mistake? <laughs> Maybe I'm too sensitive to be a vicar. Well, I feel... Um, so glad that Moses felt the same. I don't know whether you feel the same, whether you feel you're not quite the right sort of person to make a difference. That's the kind of thing that other people do. Whether you feel you're not the right age, or you're too inexperienced, or you don't know enough theology, or you haven't got the necessary skills or experience. Or maybe you're afraid of what will happen if you try to serve God. That's what Moses felt. In Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? I wonder if you feel the same. What happens if you start, if you try, and it doesn't work? And Moses actually had good reason to fear failure because he'd failed in the past. And I suspect this is one of the main things that was holding Moses back. He had a past. He had killed a man in anger in his youth and had fled the country. And I don't know whether you feel the same. Maybe there are things in your past which you, uh, about which you feel ashamed and you feel as a result of them that God couldn't use you. And I think it's not only the guilt from the past which was holding Moses back, but also a sense of disappointment. Moses killed an Egyptian who was attacking an Israelite. And so he went to defend the Israelite and killed the Egyptian. And so there seems to be in Moses, when he was a young man, this desire to do something for the Israelites, to release them from slavery. And so he'd acted and killed an Egyptian, and then he'd, it had been discovered and he had to flit. So I think there was a sense of disappointment. He'd tried to do something for the Israelites, and it hadn't worked. He'd stepped out and been disappointed. God hadn't come through for him. So why should he try again? And I wonder whether today there are people here with disappointments from the past, where you've tried to serve God, and it hasn't worked out the way you wanted. In my gap year, um, as I've mentioned before, I went to work with a woman called Jackie Pullinger, and so all these extraordinary things in Hong Kong, these um, heroin addicts, 
They're prostitutes, triad gang members, becoming Christians, their lives being transformed. And、um, when I went to university, eventually I was young, very enthusiastic, quite naive, and I thought, brilliant, I'm just going to do the same in, in Oxford. And there was a big homeless pro- problem in Oxford, so I just thought, okay, I'm going to spend all my time with the homeless. I'm going to, most of them were heroin addicts, and I'm going to try and preach the gospel. I'm going to change people's lives.、Um, and I threw myself into the work there, and I felt this is what God was calling me to do.、Um, this was the thing that was on my heart to do. And after two years, I'd burnt out. I'd got ill, and I had to、um, leave Oxford. I had to hand on the charity that we'd set up. Um, and I left sort of feeling quite disappointed. I felt like this is something God had put on my heart, and yet it hadn't worked out. I felt that disappointment. And so, as I think about going to Brighton again, particularly because one of my responsibilities will be work in more of the deprived areas, I have that feeling of what happens if it all goes wrong again. And I think maybe Moses felt that. And、maybe you feel that this morning that you've tried talking to your friends about Jesus, maybe, and you've had a bad reaction or it's harmed the relationship. You've tried to step out for for God, and it hasn't quite worked. And this is why I find this story of Moses so encouraging. Despite Moses,、uh, despite his huge sense of inadequacy, despite his fear, despite his lack of The sort of what one might expect to be the natural skills you'd need, the, na- the required experience of God, despite his guilt from his past, despite the disappointments of trying to serve God in the past, God still uses Moses incredibly powerfully, and it's the same for us. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done in the past. No matter what our natural skills are or our experience, how long we've been a Christian, God still wants to use each one of us powerfully to make a difference to this world. God wants to do it. So, what what can we do in response? Well, I think the first thing we can do is be open to God. Moses, it says that Moses saw the bush was on fire and it did not burn up, and Moses thought, "I will go over and see." This strange sight: why this bush does not burn up. Moses had work to do. He was a shepherd. He had a flock to look after, and yet he leaves the flock to go and just see what's going on at this bush. We see for the rest of the chapters, Moses is quite reluctant to serve God, but he starts off with just a degree of openness to God. And when God speaks to him, he says, "Here I am." It then takes God two chapters to persuade Moses to do what He wants him to do, but it starts with just a little bit of openness. And I think us making a difference can start with that just a little bit of openness, a short prayer saying to God, "Here I am, weak, afraid. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know whether I've got the necessary skills to serve You, but here I am. I'm here for You to use me in any way You want." Jackie Pullinger, who ran this thing in Hong Kong and had the most extraordinary、uh, ministry, I remember asking one of the leaders what marked her out, what made her so effective, and、uh, Alex, who was running one of the houses, houses out there, said the thing that marked Jackie Pullinger off 
from anyone else. It was her willingness. She was just willing. Whatever God wanted her to do, she'd do it. That was what marked her off. And God uses her and continues to use her powerfully because she was always just willing. She was willing to get on a boat and sail across uh, to the other side of the world without any money or a job there or anywhere to live. She was constantly willing to give things up and to try things out. It's so easy, isn't it, just to be focused on all the things we've got to get done, the kind of list of uh, jobs we've got to do and just trying to keep everything under control. But being open means giving God the opportunity to come into our life, maybe spending a bit of time each morning giving God the opportunity to speak to us. It means being open to God in our work, in our conversations. It means going to the sinner and saying, actually, Lord, is there something you want to say to me through this film? It means being open to new ideas, being teachable, being open to new habits, new cities, new churches. It means being open to new people. I think this is one of the wonderful things about this community here at St. Dionys, is that we're very um, open to new people. It's a very hospitable and welcoming community. And I felt that immediately two years ago when I first came here. I was immediately welcomed in. And that's an important part of serving God, is being open. I've been thinking recently about the Good Samaritan and the priest and the Levite who um, walk past the man who's injured. And walking past, and I bet they just had a lot of things they needed to do. There were just a lot of things on their minds, maybe things they were trying to do to, you know, they're part of their job, and they were just consumed by the things at hand. And the Samaritan, too, he was trying to get somewhere, but he was open to something new. He was open to stop and to serve God in that way. And if we want to make a difference in the world, we need to be open, to allow God to sidetrack us, perhaps, We need to be prepared to move, to mix with different people, to do something different, and to open our hearts for God to maybe grab our attention about something new. So that's the first thing about how to make a difference in the world. We need to be open to God. Secondly, we need to make a start. It doesn't matter how small a start it is, but we need to make a step in the right direction. There's a long debate with Moses and God throughout these uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4. And at the end, Moses agrees. And he goes to his father-in-law, Jethro, and says to him, Let me go back, this is in 4 verse 18, Let me go back to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. It's wonderfully understated, isn't it? He doesn't say, I am going back to Egypt and I'm going to set free one million slaves from the most powerful empire in the world by the power of my stutter and my magic stick which I can turn into a snake. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm just going to go down and see if anyone's alive to rescue in the first place. He's willing to make the first step. He doesn't have it all mapped out. He doesn't have a five-year plan. He's just willing to make a start. I remember when I started the process for ordination, and someone explained to me the whole process of sort of the interviews and the forms I had to fill out and the retreats and the training and everything that it would take to get ordained. And I thought, that sounds like a nightmare. I'm definitely not going to do that. But I was happy to do the first step. 
the first step was to go and see my vicar and talk to him about it. And that happened to be my father, and it was very easy. <laughs> and so I was happy to do the first step, and then after that, I was happy for the next step. And then after that, I was happy for the next step. And then, two years later, here I am, the Reverend Johnny Gumbel. It is often pointed out that a boat can only be steered once it's moving. And I think it's the same for us, that we need to get moving. That it's much easier for God to steer us. The adventure, the adventure of Bear Grylls talks about the importance of making, if you're trying to survive anywhere, the importance of making constant decisions, to keep making decisions. If you just... Make no decisions and just do nothing, you'll die. You need to keep on making decisions, work out what the next step is. And so for me, going off to Brighton, that's the next step. I can go to Brighton. I don't know what's going to happen once I get there, but I can, I can go down to Brighton. I can meet with a few friends to pray about Brighton. I can do the first step. And then after that, hopefully, I'll know what the next step is. And I wonder what the next step is for each of you. Is there something on your heart that you feel strongly about? Something you'd love to see changed? Whether you could just, maybe just commit to pray about it once a week. Or tell a friend about what's on your heart. Or meet up with a few friends to pray about that thing. Just make a start, no matter how small it is, just get going in the right direction. So we need to be open to God. We need to make a start. And finally... And most importantly, we need to know that God is with us. Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God says, I will be with you. God doesn't ask us to do anything by ourselves. In the Great Commission, Jesus sends out his disciples and tells them to go and make disciples of all nations and then promises, and I will be with you to the end of the age. God doesn't promise that things will be easy for us. He doesn't always tell us how things are going to be done. But he does promise to be with us. And God being with us isn't just a sort of a vague sort of emotional sense or a theological statement about God being everywhere. God being with us is practical help. It's his support, his help. It's God on, on his side, on our side. When God says, I will be with you to Moses, he then gives him the words to speak to Pharaoh, and he gives him signs to encourage him. When I was praying about whether it was right to go to St. Peter's in Brighton, I was praying and kind of weighing up, is this the right thing? Is is this the right place to go to? And I was praying, and I sort of noticed in my room, I had these paintings that I'd had since I was 12, and there was one that was over my bed of a church. And I thought, what? what is that church that's been over my bed, that little painting, 19th century painting, over my bed since I was 12? And I went to look at it, and underneath it, it said, St. Peter's Church, Brighton. Um, And it was an encouragement that God was in this, that God was with me. God promises to send his spirit upon us, to guide us, to strengthen us, to give us power. He promises to send other people along with us, Already there are now 30 people uh, who have committed to moving from London, uh, finding, uh, and they've either found already or are finding new um, houses in Brighton or changing jobs. But God is bringing these people with us. God provided Aaron for Moses. God being with us is practical support. And I think 
when we know that God is with us, that makes all the difference. And this is probably where Moses went wrong in his youth. He probably had a feeling that he wanted to do something for the Israelites, but tried to do it in his own power. He killed the Egyptian. He was trying to do it in his own strength. But when he returned, he went in the power of God and let God do all the hard work. And I think that's where I went wrong in Oxford when I was at university. I was trying to do everything myself. I thought it all depended on me, that if I had a break or a holiday, the whole of God's work in Oxford would fall apart. But now, hopefully, I've known through years of uh, being sort of having chronic fatigue that actually that God works through weakness and that God will do the work. Because all God needs is a few willing hearts and he'll do the rest. And that's all he really wants. He just wants to be with us. You'll know the story of Sandy Miller, the former vicar of Holy Trinity Brompton, just at the start of his ministry, going to a conference in America. And um, at this conference, he was inspired about all these things he wanted to do for God. And he was walking along the beach and kind of listing all the things he'd love to do for God. And he heard God speak very clearly to him. All I want is you. And that's all God wants. He wants to be with us. But if we are with God, if we stay close to God, if we're open to him and willing to make a start for him, then extraordinary things will happen. And he'll use us in extraordinary ways. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for your promise to be with us. Thank you for the gift of your Spirit. We pray that you'd come now by your Spirit, fill each one of our hearts. For those with burning desires to serve you, give us the courage to make a start for you. Show us how we can serve you. For those who feel they don't have any particular burning desires, I pray that you beginning you be beginning to stir our hearts. Lord, lead us forward. Enable us to make a difference in this world for you. To bring healing, to bring restoration, direction to a lost world. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.